Welcome to It's a Music Thing, a podcast about music. Each week, your host tries to bring stories from artists and others in the music industry. Go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Check us out on all social media. Instagram, at It's a Music Thing MB. Facebook, It's a Music Thing. And the website is itsamusicthing.com. If you feel so inclined, you can drop your host, Dwayne Larson, an email. It's a music thing, MB at gmail.com. Without further ado, here is your host, Dwayne Larson. Welcome back to It's a Music Thing, the podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Larson. And you know, you know the usual intro where I have some sponsors. Finally, it was it was picking up. It was starting to happen again. Um, and those two sponsors were the Winterruption and the Brew Banger, I believe it was called. That sounds so dirty. But it was a, a park theater fundraiser put on by a lot of good folks. It was going to be three nights of music. Um, I haven't heard for sure. I've looked on the event page. I'm not sure if that's still happening here in, you know, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Um, Just because with the current COVID restrictions, I don't know. It's, you know, it's going to be capped at around 250, which is about half the park theaters, what it can hold. It's going to be seated. Uh, Beer has to stop flowing by 10. So there's a lot of things working against it. So I'm not sure if that's happening. But I will put the link in the description to go check it out. Um, Like I said, lots of good sponsors, lots of good bands. I'm not going to get too much into it because I don't even know if it's happening. Um, But go check out the link in the description. Check it out. I mean, you know, if you got a couple extra shekels in your your pocket and you want to help support your local venues that are struggling once again, just when we thought everything was going to get cracking again, you know, donate donate some some cashish cashish. That's it. Yeah. <clears throat> and the other one was the winter eruption happening all throughout the city. Um, also, that is I know that for sure is being postponed. Uh, when that is going to be happening again? Not entirely sure, but it's postponed. It's not canceled. So be on the lookout for that. You can again. I'll put it in the links. So you can go check it out and, you know, just see what's going on. And hopefully, hopefully this is all going to pass quickly. Who knows? Like it's, we're not dwelling on it. I don't fucking care anymore. It's, you know, keep, keep yourself, keep your, your neighbors safe, do all that stuff that you need to do, but not talking about it. So, you know, other than we got all that stuff out of the way, we got the business out of the way. The interesting stuff is to come. So this episode I took last week off because, well, I wanted to be lazy and it was Christmas time and I just didn't really feel like doing anything. So I did nothing. We skipped a week. That's what happens. My podcast, I'm going to do what I want, goddammit. But on this podcast, we're we're continuing along with our Agapito theme. Uh, they actually, as of yesterday, uh, on the Tuesday, you're hearing this on the Wednesday, hopefully if you're listening, that they just dropped another new tune and... On this episode, I get the chance to talk to Ron Friesen. 
And I mean, I, I know Ron a little bit from around the scene, you know, you know, one of those things, it's just, you see someone at a lot of shows, you say hi and just kind of nod your head and keep going. And Rod said, Rod, Ron is such a great dude. And thank you for taking the time to talk to me, Ron. It's, it was really great to learn all, you know, or most of what I could learn about Ron within the, the hour ish that we talked. Um, but it's, I really love learning about people's musical journeys. I know mine has been weird and crazy and up and down and you know, it's, it's been great. And so I, I really love learning about how other people got into whatever scene they're into, whether it's metal, punk, um, blues, jazz. I don't know why I was struggling to think of music genres right there, but you know, I just love to learn how they got into it and what keeps them, keeps them going. So uh, enough of my babbling. So here is my interview with Ron Friesen from Agapito. All right. I guess uh, first and foremost, who am I speaking with today? Uh, my name's Ron and uh, I play guitar in Agapito. And Ron, thank you. First of all, thank you for sitting down and talking to me. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. ever since I've thought of this question, it's started just about every episode that I can think of in up until recent times but the question is always what is your first memory of hearing music outside of like a lullaby or a nursery rhyme where it really captured your attention there's a, there is a memory that sticks pretty well with myself is um my just like my parents took me to a uh, a concert and it was it was like a 80s metal a christian 80s metal band um called white cross and they were like it was out of bible school in winkler where i grew up and um and that was like i was like this is it was cool yeah like i never heard it before you know like something like this and that was kind of my first experience of something a bit more extreme mm -hmm. i suppose so like gr growing up I'm, I'm assuming you grew up fairly religious then Yes. Yeah. My parents always had me in, in church and like uh, that kind of thing. So that was obviously, you know, they liked that style of music, you know, by all means, I wasn't limited to a certain genre, but mm -hmm. they, it was like, here, we're going to take you to something rock and roll, but, but, you know, with the beliefs that they wanted me to have as well. Right. So um, that was, yeah, that's my first memory of, of, of like a, something more rocking you yeah know? no i mean that that that's a great memory to have because i'm i'm assuming up until then it was a lot of like a lot of like hymnal type stuff and a lot of church music then i guess so like you know definitely that was uh, part of my upbringing and um but um i it, i to be honest i really don't have a like I definitely remember it, but it not as impactful, I guess, you yeah. know, I, I don't remember it in the same way. Right. And so like growing up, was there like, was there a lot of music in the house? Like are, are your parents musical? Did they play anything or do they play anything? Um, yeah. My, uh, my parents always listened to music. Like my dad had a record collection. Uh, so I would kind of investigate, you know, what he had lying around, yeah. which, which was neat. Um, and he also had an acoustic guitar, which is kind of how I stumbled upon guitar. Uh, my mom also had a piano in the house. She, uh, you know, I don't remember either of them really playing their instruments. 
um, much, but it having them around definitely was something, you know, as a kid, you start toying around with something and, you know, just cause it's there and, and you it, some of it sticks, some of it doesn't. Right. So what was the first thing that you picked up? I'm, I'm assuming it was either guitar or piano. It's gotta be one yeah, of the two. It, yeah, definitely. I guess, I mean, technically I, I, I took a, like I played a brass instrument in, in uh, junior high, it would have been, would have been from, um, I played the trumpet, but, but that was kind of more of a, something you're forced to do in a way, you know? <laughs> yep. Oh, right? I do know. <laughs> so, so from there it was, yeah, I found, I ended up messing around more with my dad's guitar when he had it lying around and, and it was about the eighth, seventh, eighth grade when I kind of started playing something with like, you know, that I felt passion with, you know? And so when you pick up the guitar, do you, are you like, are you just teaching yourself or did you get a chance to go to like guitar lessons? I never, I, I, my buddy, I guess would have taught me the first, um, kind of basics, right? Cause mm -hmm. it was, it was, um, he was taking lessons and he was, I guess, learning a lot of, uh, punk rock songs at the time like I, he and then he would teach me these song these power chords in, in and uh chord progressions for i remember like when i come around you know stuff by green day and offspring in like that 90s punk rock era right so um then it was i never took lessons until i did end up going to a, a school uh in california for a year where i kind of studied music and um stuff like that uh kind of it was a full-on year of intense you know full-time mm -hmm. music school which is neat and so i mean i guess kind of going back to seeing white crosses at the uh the the bible school you're at how old were you when you saw that band oh man i don't i can't i don't know have a definite answer there but um i would have to think it was in my teens like okay. like before <laughs> even like maybe even like you know like the the lower teens i would say like yeah. 13 maybe i don't know maybe even younger like i re i really can't say and that was obviously i guess your first experience with like harder heavier faster music mm -hmm. and after that did you kind of you know stray off the path a little bit and like start looking more and more and more into I mean, obviously stuff that wasn't necessarily religious or anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we had it definitely like with time as you grow up and you're, you leave the nest, so to say, you yeah. know, you just, I don't know, you learn stuff as you get older, obviously. So absolutely. Like there was times that, um, you know, just, I remember finding out about new, new music from, again, a lot of that came from my brother, I guess, was too, as he was three years older than me. And, um, so then I started hearing him listen to more like, you know, like main secular mainstream, um, metal stuff like that, Metallica. And he got me onto a lot of heavier stuff as well, outside of like the, the strict Christian uh, labels and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've talked to, I forget who I was talking to about this, but it, there there was a there was a, a a time there where, you know, Christian labels, Christian like, 
post I don't know all the different genres, but like the hardcore Christian, the metal Christian, the poppy punk Christian, like how they had a they had maybe still have a huge scene going. It was really incredible. Yeah. I, I really don't follow it much anymore. No. But but definitely for a part of my life it was like there was a few labels um that were like go-to labels and it was just like you know you're at that young age too like you want to check out everything so it was just like any band that was signed to this whatever particular <laughs> label i got it i got a listen yeah you know? i i think that even goes even just across i mean especially from you know people that are of a unique vintage we'll call it um <laughs> cool. that that's that's how we learned about music like there there wasn't spotify there wasn't itunes it's like yeah. for me, for me, it was Epitaph and Fat. If you're on okay. Epitaph or Fat, I'm like, I'm probably gonna like this band. Mm-hmm. S- sometimes not so much. And then other other stuff, like I, it definitely wasn't limited to that. Like Tooth and Nail had a great, great lineup. Did I agree with a lot of stuff that they're singing about? Not at all. But <laughs> they made good music, and that's end of the day yeah. to me. That's what really mattered. Yeah, exactly. No, I feel you. Tooth and Nail was one of like, as coming from that scene, that was one of my go-to labels. Mm-hmm. So definitely familiar with that and like all their, uh, you know, branches with the heavier stuff. They have the solid state. And yeah. of course, you know, a lot of that stuff, is, it's kind of fun to reminisce about. And and it's, a lot of that CD collection is still funny. Like I still have it, right? So it's like in my garage, CDs are one of those things I find like you don't want to quite throw it out yet, right? But it's- uh <clears throat> it, it's been tough at one point i had close to i think like four thousand cds like it, oh, wow. it, it it was stupid i had like the big binders filled with cds and i've been parting them out either giving them away to friends or like i i just have no use for them everything is like on my itunes like i've got i think over 100 gigs of music and then it's just like, I've got no use for these, but the the ones for me that stick out and think about this while I'm saying this for, for the tooth and nail, but the ones that stick out for me the most with tooth and nail were songs from the penalty box. Oh, I love those comps. Okay. So r- r- that sounds awfully familiar. That was all like the punk punk stuff, right? Or like, yeah. Yeah. Like that was it. more like the, like MXPX. I, right. I can't remember off the top of my head other bands that right. were on it but yeah i totally forgotten but that as soon as songs of the Pound, that sounds familiar that definitely like a comp of of all that good stuff yeah, yeah. and did yeah. you did you find, <laughs> did you find yourself going more to the harder stuff like more to the hardcore kind of scene rather than like the 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 popular punk stuff uh yeah i guess slowly i think i always kind of even to this day, I, I've always kind of tried to maintain a very wide mm-hmm. interest of, of stuff to listen to. Um, I don't know, like a lot of people, I think, uh, are surprised when they hear it. But like, yeah, back <laughs> in the day, I was listening to the punk stuff and, and the rock and, and the metal and, and the hardcore, like all the different genres. But like, uh, even even was listening to country, like because my parents always had country mm-hmm. around the house, too. Uh, not like the traditional country, but like the kind of the more cheesy, poppy, new age country, right? Yeah. You know, so, and I still like, 
like every like I'm listening to country music radio in my car sometimes. So it's yeah. like I still it goes through phases. Like now I'm listening to this for a set for a while, for a month or two, and then I move on. You know, just to change things up. So who, who are some of the country music, you know, singers that you you still listen to that you really enjoy? Um, I do like. I guess one of my all time. Like, I guess Brad Paisley is good. Mm -hmm. I know I was saying kind of all time there, but he's not my all time favorite. He's just like, as a guitar player, he's, he's a, just a terrific guitar player, a shredder, like talented. I think he's a really genius songwriter too, the way he like crafts his lyrics and stuff like that. It's very um, simplistic yet, you know, in a way so advanced i find as well you know yeah like there's there's no like wasted words kind of exactly thing. yeah uh tim mcgraw was kind of like an old kind of an old favorite yeah. i i actually listened to his new album just the other day oh, okay i i do sound i guess with a lot of artists you know it's you, i always kind of look back on the old stuff as being the favorites because that's the stuff you first get attached to yeah so yeah like the new i always check out new stuff but uh that, always find myself going back to the classics <laughs> he, he was actually my very first concert ever was oh, neat. was uh tim mcgraw little texas and blackhawk oh so good and i i saw it in Re <laughs> regina i wish i would have kept i don't think i kept it i wish i would have kept the ticket stub because like my mom drove me and my friend from our farm where we grew up to Regina to go to the show. And it was, it was incredible. That was, yeah, I, I still, I mean, I haven't kept up too much, but like the first record. And if you don't like, uh, don't take the girl. You're just, oh. you, you're a, you're a heartless, soulless son of a bitch. Cause that's exactly. Yeah. That album, that was the one, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's fun to, I, again, like, yeah, I don't follow these people all the way through their career, but, you know, every time now and then you come back to it, hence why I listen, I'm not going to, I'm going to check out this new album and, you know, yeah, and country I find is like, you got a lot of hits that are, you know, built for the radio almost, and mm. like, I don't know if they're like as strong albums all the way through all the time, but, but, you know, it's cool, like that don't take the girl and that early stuff just really good <laughs> one and, and i've also found kind of new country is it, it's a little too poppy for me because it's just about rock and roll which there's right. nothing wrong with it but it's not the country i like which is the country that i like also contributed to where country is now so it's obviously evolving and has evolved but mm -hmm. i just can't get behind most of it like there's some yeah. okay I, I think if I was going to go, it'd be like, I like country bluegrass. Cause, okay. Because then it'll be a little more what country was. I don't know. I'm trying not to sound like too much like an old curmudgeon man yelling at clouds. but I hear where you're going, though, for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> Except for Garth Brooks. Fucking love <laughs> Garth Brooks. Yeah, he's good. That's kind of like, he's you know, Thunder Rolls and all that stuff. You yeah. Know, like everybody knows those songs, right? Or, you know. A lot of people, I guess. Yeah, and just just nobody talks about the Chris Gaines album because that's a oh, no. it's a garbage album and it's weird, <laughs> so weird. Do you and do you remember the first show that you have? And okay, by show I mean the first concert you ever went to. 
Um, I guess not particular. I, like one of the earlier ones would be, again, you know, a fa- a family thing. Mm-hmm. Like my parents took uh, me one, my brother and I once to see ZZ Top, which would oh, probably nice. be one of the one of the earlier ones I saw here in Winnipeg. Um, that or uh, like my ACDC kind of oh. things. These were before I was going to concerts on my own. Yeah. Like my dad was, my dad is a bit of a rocker, right? Too. Like that, I know I mentioned his record collection earlier. A lot of that, like Aerosmith, that that 80s rock mm. stuff. So he was totally down to to check that out live and bring the family with him, you know? So that was awesome. Yeah. Which I, can, I can't even imagine bringing a kid to something like that and just, you know, your eyeballs must have been huge. <laughs> yeah. And especially with what might have been going on in the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Not, not saying <laughs> people are smoking weed in there, but they're probably smoking weed in there. <laughs> Good chance. And so you, you start kind of playing around more with your guitar early teens and kind of figuring it out. And when do you join, like, when do you start to take it a little bit more serious? Like when, when do you join kind of your first band or does that come much, much later? Um, I, I guess I started playing in bands. Uh, it would have been in high school. That would have been my first, you know, timeline, I guess. In, in high school, probably 11th grade or so. Um, the, as soon as I played, like, I mean, if even if I go back to, I know I, my, I was saying earlier, like my buddy that kind of taught me the basics of guitar at the beginning yeah as we like had a band so to say as a two-piece like in eighth grade him and i were like we're gonna play the the talent show at the school you know it's not a it's not a full band but i guess the first time i had like a a full band that put together that was would have been in high school and were you guys were you guys writing original stuff or were you doing like covers and stuff like a bit a bit of both yeah i had i had the one group that like my as soon as I started playing hardcore, it was it was all originals mm. with, with that kind of uh, style. But then I, I was involved with the other guys, too, uh, or a different group of guys, I should say, that were playing um, kind of just covers like rock and roll stuff, Metallica, you know. Yeah. At, at this again, at like a school talent show. So was it even a band? I don't know. It was it was a, a project, you know, we put together for 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 yeah. one time event, you know. <laughs> And so when when you start playing in hardcore bands and you're writing your own original music, what was the first band you were you were in, and what like what were they called? The first band that I uh, had was a hardcore band. Um, we called ourselves Refuge and Strength. So we were uh, probably sixteen or something like that. And we started playing around like the small towns because we were all from Winkler. Mm-hmm. So we we ended up playing at the, you know, at we did shows at our high school sometimes, you know, in, in Morden, Steinbach, you know, just like little communities like that. I, it was kind of, uh, we didn't know anyone from Winnipeg or like what was going on with the hardcore scene in Winnipeg. So mm-hmm. it was, we were playing in all these small towns to, to, um, to, I guess friends mostly, right? And did you did you guys ever get a chance to record? We did. Yes. Yeah, yeah we did. We did a uh, we did something in in the drummer's basement. 
you know, uh, wow, well, like we got it done, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> you, you, you don't want to say it's good, but there's something out there. It's it, like, I don't want anybody to hear it. You know? <laughs> that, that's, that's exactly like when, when, when I had Todd from propaganda on, yeah. We talked about one of his first bands and he's like, there's no fucking way you're going to get to hear this. Cause it's it, he he's got copies of it, but he's like, no one's ever going to hear this. Cause it's bad. It's really yeah. bad. Mm-hmm. Same. Like I keep one around. Yeah. I, I definitely keep one around and it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a important memory and important mm-hmm. step in anybody's musical journey. Right. So it's it's very sentimental but it's you're also very protective about it right i i i feel very much the same way with kind of my older photography like going back i've been doing this now for i guess 20 years ish kind of but when i first started and i like started going to shows and actually had a proper digital camera and was taking photos and like, look at them afterwards. I'm like, oh, these are so good. I'm so good at this. It's amazing. And then I look now and I'm like, oh my, nobody, how did people even pretend that this was good? Like, this is terrible. Right. So I hear you. Yeah. It's all stepping stones, you know, and learning from, you know, classic stuff like that. Right. Getting better as you go. And was that first band, you ref, refuge and strength, you said, right. Yeah. And was that, um, kind of like the stuff you were listening to was it very christian hardcore definitely yeah it would have been it would have been like we're listening to bands from face down records Mm -hmm. you know trying to emulate that stuff i I don't know if you know that band x disciple x would have been like a kind of a big influence on us like drop d tuning and uh uh yeah that would have been a Christian hardcore band for sure. And when you started playing this, what, what did your parents think of it? Because I mean, I, I, I know obviously it's steeped in kind of the there's huge religious overtones to it, but it's definitely aggressive and people like, you can't really understand what people are saying in hardcore bands sometimes. So were they, were they like super supportive or were they kind of like wary about, what was going on with this? Um, I don't remember them being, uh, be really objecting to it, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Uh, you know, obviously they, they were taking me to, to shows that were, I guess, outside of our typical church vibes anyways. Right. So, so they were, I don't remember them really being resistant to, to the heavy music at all like they definitely always you know portrayed it as you know you can't understand what he's saying why do you listen to this crap you know like yeah that's a part of the style of music i guess so to say but yeah um they they definitely let me do as i pleased for sure which was yeah. awesome you know? yeah i mean i guess if your dad's taking you to acdc which has a lot of sexual overtones and like drug yeah you know he, mm-hmm. he'd probably be probably pretty cool with it uh-huh. and if he understood the lyrics probably even more cool with it but yeah my parents have always been like i mean i, I super supportive in anything i do mm-hmm. but even like even with my music um uh, today you know they're still like oh you're you know 
what's up you know if, if they know of a show they want to come you know yeah if, if they know i've recorded something you know with whatever band like they want a copy yeah. you know even even if it's not really their favorite thing to listen to but they like you know they get involved you know show yeah. support which is awesome you know yeah which yeah that's incredible because a lot of people you hear those horror stories of people that it's just like once they you know once someone found their true passion if it wasn't exactly what was in line with what their parents wanted them to do they either just cut them out or you know they're they're pretty cold or distant to what their their kids doing so that's that's really great yeah and so refuge and strength you're you, you know you're playing around southern manitoba around like you said morden winkler stuff like that in grade 11 how long does refuge and strength kind of last for what's the long longevity of that band uh you know it wasn't it wasn't very long uh we i would say couple years at the most maybe not even we ended up we then i think we got in we we ended up starting a new band and a lot of the members were the same and we called ourselves endless fight so it was like refuge and strength went i pretty much from what i remember directly into my my next project called endless fight and we had the same singer and the same drummer and um the bass player i don't i don't really remember what was going on with the <laughs> bass player <laughs> to be honest i think we might have had a different bass player but i think the idea was i think maybe we wanted to change our name because it because we um maybe we were like considering not being as christian anymore mm -hmm. and that was what we wanted a different name and and as we were getting older we were exactly developing new ideas and stuff like that so we're like we didn't want to necessarily be branded um i don't remember if that's exactly how it went but i mean you know, that again. that makes total sense because it's once you're kind of branded as anything it's really hard to get out of that and it's not a rut but get out of what people perceive you as because like I, I know mxpx just reading their their history they were i mean not every song, but some songs had references to God in them and they were on a Christian label and they were Christian, I guess, but they, they, they struggled for a while to get like out of, you know, people's mindset that they're just, Oh, there, there's just that another Christian band that's singing about God. Yeah, absolutely. That stuff can, that stuff can follow you around forever. Um, probably not as big of a deal with refuge refuge and strength like obviously we didn't have a, you know a, any type of strong following mm. i guess right so so something like that is i guess you know we a little easier so to say but with endless fight is when we started trying to branch out and playing more in winnipeg too i guess that was a big thing you know and then we started playing at like the old collective cabaret mm. and still when shows were going on there and and uh, trying to get involved more with like what we deemed the you know the Winnipeg hardcore scene much better than we would want to play there rather than our little small towns, right? And and at this point, were you starting to go into Winnipeg to go to like to go to shows and like hardcore shows? Because at this point, you should have your license and it should be a little easier yeah. to get in there. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely going in for shows all the time, like as many times as 
as we you know we could you know with friends of course right we drive in yeah. for for the night and if, if something's going on we we try to be there and that's kind of how we started networking a bit i guess and trying to meet people that were were promoting shows you know community centers or wherever yeah. right can you remember any of those early shows that you went to like in in, in winnipeg uh, that, that especially, I mean, not every one of them, but like maybe one that really, really sticks out in your mind where you, cause I know I've had this same thing where you see a band that you don't really know who they are and you're just like, holy shit. Like it blows <laughs> your mind. I guess there were a lot of good shows. A lot of them, uh, I definitely, the collective cabaret seeing stuff there was always memorable for me. Uh, like when champion was there like i think they would were on tour with comeback kid and uh i also like there was a really cool show i think it was at um the university um was it u of m that's on portage there or, or is that u of w oh, Which i always is? get those two mixed up um yeah <laughs> I, I think it's the u of w okay i think yeah <laughs> Anyways, that's where it was, and there was this show. It was like Figure Four and Port Immoral when they were uh, around, and um, I believe Cancer Bats was on that oh, wow. show. Maybe I don't know if they were for sure, but that was a that was a pretty big show. I remember like there. I just remember it being a big show, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, that was a cool show. Hatebreed. I went in to see Hatebreed when they were at like Le Rendezvous, the old venue there. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, when I started meeting people in Winnipeg and trying to do the networking thing, as I mentioned. Yeah. I, I, I remember I saw Hatebreed with, oh shit. I, I've got the poster somewhere, but I remember cause it was my, that was, would have been one of my first, I don't know. Hatebreed's a weird kind of hardcore slash metal band kind of, right. I don't know they're whatever, but they were playing with a metal band and okay. it, it has also been the first time I've ever been to a show where I've seen at least three or four fights <laughs> because the hardcore kids didn't know what to do with the metal kids and the metal kids didn't know what to do with the hardcore kids. So they, yeah, there was, I think three or four fights that night and it was crazy. It was a weird, weird night. I just stood off to the side because <laughs> I, I, I can't hardcore dance. I will never pretend to hardcore dance. I'm too yeah. old for that shit now. <laughs> Fair enough. I, but I mean, I remember seeing that too. I'm like, why are people fighting in a show? You know, that I didn't get it at first. Yeah. I, it's still something not that I want to be involved in personally, but I, 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 uh, it, it is a bit of a shock when you first see it. And, but I, you know, I guess over time when you start seeing it a lot, it's almost like, you become used to it in a way too. Right. Which is, I don't know, a bit unfortunate maybe. Right. But well, especially if you're on stage, cause like you can't stop playing. I mean, you can, but yeah. then that just kind of gets everyone pissed off sometimes. Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah. yeah. There are bands that do that, I guess. Right. That they see a fight and they stop it. You know, there's, they're obviously saying they don't promote it. So yeah. It, it, you know, it, but I'll, I t totally see what you're saying there too. Like, you know, now the whole crowd's like, oh, yeah, because yeah. you, <laughs> you know that's usually security's job to to take care of that and hopefully get it done with. I mean, if someone's getting a shit kicking, 
then yeah, yeah maybe uh, stop and be like okay somebody break this stuff up like this isn't cool but totally so and do you do you remember endless endless fights first show in winnipeg and how that came about kind of happening um it was it was at a community center if i remember correctly i don't know exactly where i think it was just I, it must have been like near around um, kind of north of Portage by Aaron and Wall. Is that like there's okay. like a McDonald's around there? Did there used to be shows around there? I, I don't remember exactly, just because I guess because I didn't grow up in this city. So what it was actually called the community center, but yeah, it was just it was probably all local bands. I remember we we were probably playing with Hollow Ground. I would imagine like we. We did we did a few shows on and off with Hollow Ground, and coming into the city to play with them was always fun. You know, that's how we. Um, I mean, we ended up doing even a tour with them to, a, a little bit further on as time went on. So they 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 became good friends of ours. And so I mean, you're obviously you've been in kind of two hardcore bands that have you know. I guess, like you said, the same members for a while now, different bands, but same, same guys in the band. So you're obviously, you know, getting more comfortable, getting better at what you're playing. What kind of comes after endless fight? Like what, where, where does the progression go from there? Um, after endless fight, uh, we, when we kind of broke up is when I, I, um, I stopped playing hardcore, I guess. I stopped playing in bands, I think, for, for quite some time after that. That would have been when at, around the time when I went to music school. Okay. And I started, I started like focusing more on, um, I guess, different sides of music, you know, rather than just being in a band, uh, you know, learning theory and stuff like that. You know, that's when I really started learning music so to say i guess rather than just being a a band guy so to say i don't and, know and was there a reason you didn't play in bands or was it just because you're like concentrating on school and that was kind of number one priority not hanging out with a bunch of people playing music i i i remember being really frustrated when endless fight broke up that and that was i uh we had a we had a tour booked and we didn't get it was in the states we didn't get across the border right they they didn't let us through so we had to cancel the whole tour and we were already struggling with finding we were out of high school now right mm -hmm. so we're, we're we're struggling to like keep a solid lineup and uh and then with the tour got canceled and, uh, you know, you know, I ended up losing like a bunch of money, I guess, on the band because we, you know, we bought a van, you know, we got all a bunch of merch made, like classic case of, yeah. of, of like that happens to everybody, you know, at, I think at some point or, or another, if, if you're in a band. So, but I remember being pretty frustrated and I was just like, I, I'm done. You know, we, we, we decided not to can continue on with the band so i was just like i gotta do music i gotta do something you mm -hmm. know so i'm like i just want to play and I'll, i'm gonna just go a completely different direction 
which is I had a buddy who kind of inspired me. He was kind of studying um, music, you know, more, you know, officially. And uh, and so I kind of went with that. And so where did you end up going to school? It was a school in uh, in California, Pasadena, okay. California. And it's it's called Los Angeles Music Academy. So, yeah, they have like a year program that you can take and, you know, you go down there and uh you do your thing study up for a year and that's kind of uh your life there is that's all you do so you learn a lot you can really progress in a in a i guess in a short amount of time you can learn a lot and to me a lot of that stuff was completely foreign like i remember you know you go there thinking you're pretty good and then you see the people that the people come from all over the world to go there so it's like you think you're pretty good and now all of a sudden you're you're not right so yeah <laughs> it, it, it was cool you know i'm i'm uh, i'm glad i did it and would do you think taking that <clears throat> excuse me taking that year off but going to school do you think that like really progressed you as a musician being kind of steeped in nothing but learning D- definitely i like you know, as I said, a lot of this stuff, like, you know, chord, different chords, knowing theory behind it. And I was, I had no idea how complex it can be and uh, stuff like that. Like at the end of the day, I don't know if I ever really used outside of school what I learned to the full potential, you know, because after I got out, I continued to to get involved with hardcore (laughs) And, and stuff like that, where really I didn't need any of that, what I learned, but I guess I'm, it's always, it was something I wanted to do on a personal level, I think more than anything. And did you get a chance to check out any shows while you were down there? Or like, were you actively kind of searching out going to, to live music when you're in Pasadena? I, I didn't actually. Oh. And yeah. Maybe I, like I should have probably, right. Like, cause the amount of shows that come through there. I, I think I just remember like being on such a fixed budget, like mm-hmm. doing this school, uh, you, you know, you got no income and you're paying rent and, and all that stuff is just like, you know, I, I didn't, uh, I guess I also wanted to stay focused in a bit too. Like there's this other school that's right. Like, uh, like on Hollywood Boulevard, pretty much like in the thick of things. And a lot of, people that I heard went to that school is because that area of Los Angeles is so busy, right? Mm-hmm. With the shows and like just distractions galore. A lot of people, you know, waste their time at school in, in Pasadena, you're kind of further away from all that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, and, and, uh, you, I didn't have transportation. I didn't have money. I didn't really know anybody there that could help get me around or you know you kind of you've got to do everything by yourself then too and yeah and a lot of factors i was just kind of like you know what i just i couldn't do it so after you get out of school do you come you come back up here to canada i stuck around there for a little while and again just like um ended up uh getting involved in more hardcore bands like yeah there was there was a uh, you probably there were actually a Canadian band, uh, Grave Maker. Oh yeah, yeah. So I ended up joining them. Was the next band I played in, and they had like they they were coming through California, and I would go to their shows. And now come to think, 
totally forgot like Bailey who played bass in Gravemaker was the was the bass player for a while for Endless Fight. Oh, okay. Um, so that's how I knew him. And then we got um, we we would always hang out when he came through California, and I was hanging around there, and uh, and, and ended up joining Gravemaker. And like I was then like their drummer was American, so I would kind of then I started hanging around Seattle, staying with them. So I was just kind of like bumming around, you know. Yeah. And and, uh, and touring with with uh, Gravemaker and yeah. And was Gravemaker the first band that kind of like actively toured, like not just kind of around small little areas, but like went coast to coast and all over the place? I, I would say yes. Um, like Endless Fight. Now, now that now that Bailey's in the picture here, I remember like he was we wanted him in in Endless Fight because figure four was just kind of dying down. Uh, when he comeback kid was starting out, figure four was dying down, and he wanted to keep touring. Right there was that, so we, he he booked some tours for Endless Fight as, as he was in the band. So he's like, "I'll book you guys some tours." We wanted a tour, yeah. So um, we did a few tours, Endless Fight with Bailey, and then and then when I joined uh, Gravemaker, they were definitely touring pretty nonstop. So with them is, I guess, when I really became more of a road warrior and you know not mm -hmm. not even to the extent that they were but like more experience traveling around they were the first band that i went to europe with and and japan and just anything overseas so it was very cool and what what were those experiences like for you going overseas to kind of like check out a completely new scene because like i mean canada the u.s it's pretty much the same thing kind of for the most part it's like yeah i mean i mean it, i guess amazing would be yeah it just like i'd never been there anywhere outside of north america at that point so yeah like going to europe and and there's places that we went on that first my first time to europe that i never went back to mm -hmm. ever again and with with a different group because they were really off the beaten path you know and uh they, like that's what they wanted they were like they were like we're booking an extensive tour in europe we're hitting like basically coast to coast of the continent and uh so there's a lot of ground to cover and just like first time in europe going to some of these places like basically seeing the whole continent it was it was uh, quite the experience well those those small shows are sometimes the best shows because people are so appreciative that a band is stopping and they don't have to drive. Okay. Maybe not three hours in Europe, but they're, they don't have to drive a, a good amount of time to go see it. So when they show up, they show up ready to party and ready to spend money. Yeah, it's, it's true. You can always feel those vibes at, at shows where people are more appreciative mm -hmm. of a band being there. And it's always nice. Like it gives the band more fuel when they're on stage too i guess you know because um yeah i mean i guess playing uh playing shows is always fun and should be you know and you should be energetic and you know whatever all that adrenaline should flow but it can become stagnant after a while too so if you're 
if you're feeding off somebody else that is really stoked i mean you you feel that in yeah. a way helps you out too and then you're just not going through the motions and it's like exactly it's actually yeah. exciting for you as well as the people that are there mm-hmm. so you're you're you know you're touring around with Gravemaker. how long are you in Gravemaker for because I, I don't know a lot about Gravemaker. I do remember seeing the album. I worked at Small Man Records very, very shortly for a very small window. And I remember okay. seeing um, the Gravemaker album come out there. But I'm, I'm not very steeped in that band too much. So how long are you with Gravemaker for? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was the longest period of time. Um I I was uh, I would say it was anywhere like a year and a half to two years I think at the most, and they had this it was an EP I think maybe that was the the one home is where the heartache is and that would have been like a there was a like a female face on the on the cover okay. I think of it, um, we we did that EP while I was involved, and then I left sh- kind of shortly after that I believe. Maybe it was only, maybe it was only six months. Actually, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a very long period of time. But I just remember covering a lot of ground in that time, just because of how how heavily they were touring. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe it was less than a year. Even like I don't remember exactly. I'm bad with my dates. That, no, that's that's. <laughs> I, I barely remember what I did yesterday, let alone you know years ago. And mm-hmm. what what led up to you leaving Gravemaker? Um, that was that was just, I mean, no disrespect to the band, but I just like I felt like I they wouldn't do much, you know, wouldn't mm-hmm. really go very far. So there was, I mean, there was no money. I guess really was what it came down to. Like I I didn't want to waste a ton of time. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm using negative words there, you know, like money no, and if... wasting time, but you know, I just like I was hoping to 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 after coming out of school, I guess like I was trying to make a little bit of money to at least support myself. Yeah. Um, as a band, as well, a, as a musician, right? And especially if they're touring as hard as you say they are, and or you you were, and yeah. you're not you're not seeing any payoff from that. It's mm-hmm. like it's it's tough to make yourself want to go out and keep doing it that's right that's a tough ask yeah like as as i wasn't obviously i wasn't an original member there so i think i walked into probably a lot of debt Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. so you know for a band to be carrying debt and you know obviously people have to kind of try to recoup what they put in at times too so um yeah it was just hard after a while I didn't, I guess it didn't take me too long to really find out that, um, I was going to try to do something else. And so what did you progress to after, after Gravemaker? Where was the, the next, the, the next stop was, um, a band called stick to your guns who I played with. And again, they were they were a band that I met on tour in from when I was touring with Gravemaker. We only we only did uh, I think four, three or four shows, something like that, together uh, in Canada. Mm-hmm. And then I met these Stick to Your Guns guys who 
uh, turned out needing a guitar player, probably not. Maybe there was like a year or two lag between me leaving Gravemaker and they, then I found out that they, they were a band that kind of people I kept in touch with, you know, mm. um, just tour friends. And they, and lo and behold, uh, they took me on for a period of time as well. So I, I ended up touring with them, you know, and, and, uh, revisiting some of these places again, it's like, I feel like it was a step up, you know, in a way like yeah. they, they were uh, revisiting some of the places I had played with Gravemaker, you know, going back to Europe more times with them, back to Japan and, and places like that, but but playing to a bit more people, right? So um, I was definitely, I thought, you know, I was stoked on it, yeah. right? And because of that. You know, again, you've been playing for a good long time now and with more serious bands with Gravemaker and Stick to Your Guns, do you feel that you were progressing? Like, did you contribute much to the songwriting or because it wasn't air quotes, your band that you kind of just did what the last person did and just kind of kept doing that. Um, with, with grave maker, there was, um, a, there was some contribution to, to songwriting, uh, because of the length of time that I wasn't in, that I was in the band, there, there wasn't uh, a ton of music to write, I guess. But that mm. one EP, like the one EP, I guess I was the sole guitar player on the the um, "Home Is Where the Heartache Is," and that I definitely like wrote at least one of those songs or, or a portion of it. And then their last full length that they did. Um, I, I I wrote a couple songs as well. They had a bunch of people writing songs for them for that record, which was kind of a neat uh, situation. Mm -hmm. With Stick to Your Guns, I didn't ever write a single note. I came in um, right after one of their albums was recorded. Oh, okay. And and uh, so I basically did the full tour cycle for that, um, and then they kicked me out of that band so i didn't really get a chance to write with them um that was i guess right when they started working on a new album was when uh they got rid of me so and do you when when you're in these bands do you write stuff yourself and like kind of keep riffs and stuff in the back here like are you if you're building a song do you start with a riff or do you have like melodies and stuff in your head or if I'm writing a song, it's definitely it, usually there, it usually starts with a riff, um, and then I'll I'll start building on a, a singular idea. And certain melodies will only come, you know, could be you know however long later. To usually the the there's a good solid musical foundation in my head before I start hearing like say a vocal melody mm -hmm. or um, even a guitar lead. Like um, an example of a guitar lead, I, I'd way rather write a guitar lead over a rhythm than try to write the rhythm over the over the the lead that's already there. You know. Okay. Obviously, there's no right or wrong, and it, it works different for everybody, right? Yeah. But for me, if I'm writing a song, like I use it's one foundation. I'm like, okay, I just I just hear a song. This could be a song, you know. You just hear it, and then you just go wherever it takes you. 
And when you said you got kicked out of Stick to Your Guns, is that tough when a band asks you to leave? And is it hard to not harbor resentment when that happens? Or is it just... Because I know like some musicians, it's just like water off a duck's back and they're like, okay, on to the next, on to the next project. That's what I'm going to go with. What, what was it like for you? Uh, it, it was definitely, it was, um, I wasn't pleased about it, but I, I guess I can't really say I didn't see it coming completely. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of disconnect between myself and the other four over time. Um, you know, just, I guess, worldviews, I can say that we didn't see eye to eye on. So, you know, it, it's, I guess it kind of came down to, like, I'm not an argumentative type of guy, and, and we didn't, we didn't fight or anything, but you could just tell that uh, there was, it was the four of them, and then it was me, yeah. you know, that, and, and over time, you know, when you're in a, when a, in a van and together as much time as you are in, in a band like that, it's, uh, it doesn't take too long before something kind of, you know, might need to change. Yeah. Um, I can, and I see the way they, uh, work now, you know, like I, like they, they definitely, they're a band that has a strong bond, I think within, them you know and not all bands have that but that's definitely something that they needed and that's something that they wanted and they needed and i wasn't what they needed well it's got to be daunting any new person coming into a band that's already been a band and you're the new guy or the new girl or the new person coming into that band it's kind of even though you're a bud with them it's like you're kind of the outsider for a little while until i mean i would think you'd have to get maybe two or three albums deep and like those tour cycles and, you know, and writing together and experiencing stuff together. And then it, I mean, but even then it's either going to work or it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it can take any, who knows how long it can take. Right. Uh, I I mean, I definitely, like I said, it's not like I was completely surprised. I, I felt, I felt the, uh, I felt the disconnection probably just the same as, 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 uh, as I think they did. Right. I just, I wasn't going to be the one to leave, you know? So yeah. They just took the the initiative on that. Yeah. It's okay. And then what comes up after stick to your guns? Um, that's when I went on to play with comeback kid. I've I've never heard of that band. (laughs) Yeah, well, not a lot. I love how you had to process that for a hot second and be like, is, is he just being an asshole or is it? No, he knows. He knows. For sure. So around 20, 2014, I, I just kind of Googled very quickly. Um, around 2014 is when you joined Comeback Kid? That sounds about right. I, I, if you would have asked me, I probably would have known just because my dates uh, – but that does sound right because I played with them probably five years, five and a half, I don't know, ish years. So, and, and I mean, obviously you're you're from well Winnipeg, Winnipeg area, whatever. You're from Winnipeg. You're from Manitoba. Just put it that way. Right. <laughs> so obviously you've you know crossed paths with with the guys and come back kid a lot. You know who they are. They know who you are. I'm sure. How did that conversation come up for you? 
for them to come ask you to play? They, it was Jeremy that approached me about that originally. And it, it was just, you know, he sent me uh, a message or an email or something like that. And, and it was just one show at first. They, they were doing, it was the anniversary for their turn it around tour that they were doing. And um, there was one show that they needed a bass player for. Um, they had actually originally, they, they had talked to me about playing guitar a few, I mean, maybe however long before 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, they ended up going with Stu uh, for the guitar player. But then it wasn't long after that they needed a bass player. So it, they, you know, I, they offered it to me knowing I was always a guitar player at heart. They, you know, gave me the option or the offer as well. And it started off with just one show and, and it turned out that it just kind of led into more. So, um, I had a good time with that too. And what, what was your kind of reaction to, you know, uh, getting that opportunity? Because I mean, that's a huge band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was, I was super stoked on it. Like again, you know, now when I got back on the road again with a new band, that I felt definitely more at home with them. Like I mentioned, the disconnect with with Stick to Your Guns and mm-hmm. me. And, you know, whether that's just because of, like I said, worldviews, where you're raised, how you're raised and all that stuff. Like I didn't I felt more, you know, the same as these guys in Comeback Kid right away. Yeah. You know? And again, you know, then going back and doing more tours with um, to these similar places that I've been already with different bands. But again, now you're playing to even more people. Right. And again, you're making what you think is jumps, you know, steps in the right direction. It's 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 a very cool experience. And I mean, again, playing in with, I guess, in with a band on like comeback kids caliber you're playing probably bigger festivals absolutely and what what was like that like kind of like stepping up to those those bigger and not even hardcore festivals because i mean bands like that they they you know it's they interweave with punk and main if you want to call it mainstream metal they're playing with that what was it like kind of stepping up to that kind of next big step were you at all intimidated with that yeah like it's a it's it's a it's definitely something you got to um take with a grain of salt uh, you know you know so to say right like playing the big stages getting used to stuff like that is is a lot different even to the sense of like how how much of of things you and what you want to hear in your monitors when you're playing on a huge stage outside and yeah when there's a lot of people watching you that you know don't know who you are because it's like as you said they're like a festival that has a huge crossover you know metal bands yeah they might they might be there to see metallica play or something like that. exactly so it's it's mind-blowing in a way like you know it's uh it's kind of like a dream come true for sure that that you, that I got to do that and uh, and and I have to ask because I would be remiss if I didn't. 
playing any of those big festivals, did you get a chance to meet any, like, I don't want to call, it's so hard to call a, hero, a musician a hero, but any, because, like, you, like, musicians are, they, they play music. They're, they're, I guess, idols are a better word. Did you get a chance to meet anybody that, I guess, you never thought you'd meet and you were kind of a little bit like, the stars in your eyes were popping a little bit and you're like, holy shit, I'm having a conversation with this person and this is pretty cool. Yeah. I, I One of the things that really blew my mind was, was yes, at some of those festivals, walking around in the backstage areas, like, you know, where, where they have catering and stuff yeah. like that and seeing these, these exactly like people that you idolized in a way right there. You know, yeah. um, one of them that's always sticks in my mind is the singer from Pantera was uh, he was at this he was at Hellfest in France and, and we were there and and he was just like, you know, he's walking around backstage. He's got a couple security guards with him, you know, and he's with obviously Pantera's done. He's with one of his other bands. And but he was just like, you know, he like said hi to me first, you yeah. know, he was like because he said, I guess that's his demeanor. Right. He friendly guy whatever just like hey nods his head at me there was no conversation i wouldn't say i met him yeah but it was just like oh like philip and selmo just said hi to me so i'm like that i loved pantera i still they're one of my favorite metal bands so i'm like well that's kind of kind of neat and yeah. then seeing the other one uh was the bass player for guns and roses was there with at one of these festivals walking around with a different band but uh, regardless you know people i never thought i'd see in a backstage like yeah it, joe it, perry from aerosmith hanging around you know like it's like yeah. wow this is cool it, <laughs> it, yeah it's got to be so weird seeing you know people on that level that you may maybe seen you know far far away on stage or on just just on tv like yeah yeah it's 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 weird i i, I never tried to I wasn't the type of guy who wanted to really engage or try to like get the photos or anything like that. Yeah. I was, I was maybe a shy in a way, whatever you want to call it, but, or thought, you know, give them respect, not bother them. But, uh, yeah. but still in the back of my mind, you know, it's googly eyes for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I've, I've done it maybe a handful of times. And like with me, it's when I take photos, I, I, I'm generally in, I'm out, I'm done. And, and big shows, I don't get a chance to meet the, 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 the bands or anything like that, but like smaller shows, I'm not hanging around till after the show. I'm not, you know, showing people on the back of my camera, the photos I took. Like, I just don't do that. I get in, I get out, I get done. Yeah. I will now occasionally, if I take a really good photo and the band happens to come back through on tour then I'll be like, okay, I feel like a nerd doing this, but can, can you sign this? But I <laughs> only doing it because it's my photo. If it was anyone else's, I'd be like, I, I don't want you to sign this because then it's weird, but because it's mine, that's different. So I totally get it that, you know, you're not going to go up to like Phil and be like, Hey, you want a beer? Yeah. Like it it's <laughs> just doesn't, it, it'd be weird. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think my one of their security guard would have punched me out if I would have gone too close, right? <laughs> I always, I also find that very, very weird. Like, I mean, I get it. They're on a different level, but yeah. we're, we're, we're still just humans. And you're backstage at a festival. 
no one's really going to accost you too badly because they're all working back there. Yeah. So that's somewhat interesting, I think. So, yeah, you're so you're with Comeback Kid, you said for five years, approximately. I think, yeah, somewhere somewhere in and around there, because it's been. uh, It's probably been also four years since I left. So that timeline, I think, kind of makes sense if you said, you know, around 2014 and then and so, around here. Or... And so were you with them when they recorded uh, Die Knowing and Outsider? Uh, I I came in, I would I did my first tour with them before they went into the studio to record Die Knowing. So they kind of had it written already. Um, and... I didn't have anything to do with the writing or anything to do with the recording of die knowing. Um, and then they also, there was like, I, sh- I started to show up when you start seeing like the videos from the die knowing oh, okay. um, album. So I was, there's one of them that I'm not in, but then there's like, I think the rest of them is kind of when I am in because all of them are shot on tour, mm-hmm. you know, various places. So, um, I did that whole tour cycle for Die Knowing, and then I was um, recorded on the Outsider album. And what what was the writing dynamic in for, like, Outsider? You know, you still, I guess, being the, again, quote, new guy coming in there, What? how did that kind of work? Because that's always something I find very interesting when you're a new person joins a band, a very well-established band. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it was, it was, I think new for them and obviously new for me because it's my first time writing. I, I, I wouldn't say I really contributed a lot to the writing of the songs. Mm-hmm. Like I, th- I wrote my own bass lines, but it, to the songs, you know, yeah. they, they, they let me have all the freedom there. Um, to write my own parts, I guess, within their songs, so to say, you know, um, it was the first time I think that they'd ever done writing sessions with, with all five people together. Um, they definitely have like, it's, um, they definitely have had a, a system over the years that's worked for them very well. Mm -hmm. Um, with like some of the original members, of course. Right. So, um, a lot of the times, I think in the past, Andrew would would play bass for the albums and uh, and stuff like that. So I, it was awesome that they brought me in. I was there for all the writing, you know. But mm-hmm. I did, I wouldn't say I wrote a song, but like we all jammed out the songs together, and there's we're all contributing little ideas, right? And and giving our this, I mean, a bit of a, a sound to it, our own signature sound, right? Yeah. But but it's not like I brought in any riffs. It's not like it's like, hey, guys, I got this song. Let's, you know, go with my song kind of thing. They still had that covered for sure. Would, would Was that something you wanted to do ever? Was like, or because, again, I know Comeback Kid has a sound and obviously, like you said, kind of a process that's worked for them. But were there ever times where you were just like just chomping at the bit being like, can you just I just want to can. Oh, I can't. Okay, but maybe. <laughs> I I always, I guess, definitely would. I mean, I think any 
as a human being, there was definitely times that I wanted to, but um, also I tried to know my my role. You mm-hmm. know, I, I I knew that they weren't really looking for that, and and I I tried to respect that as well. So I was I was thankful enough that, like I said, I think this was the first time they had all five people in mm. a in a room even just jamming hashing out ideas together in that form so i mean that was new to them and again of course new to me too because i've never done that with this group yeah so it's it's um i think i just tried to respect them in a way too and and be uh somewhat silent unless spoken to you know yeah and you know so what eventually leads you to leaving Comeback Kid? Because that has to be if it it was if it was of your own volition, that's got to be a pretty big, you know, that's a big decision because they're they're a hard touring, hard working band and a well known one. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, for me, I, I I guess I can't say it's one specific thing that that it was uh, maybe a bunch of little things combined and and a lot of it did have to do with um um like they have again i'm i'm i feel somewhat limited in the band Mm -hmm. because of of uh of how i guess it's set up with their original members and trying to respect their their dynamic yeah i was just explaining so over time that kind of got to me you know, I'm again. I'm a, a, also a guitar player at heart. So mm. now I'm, you know, I'm not really playing the instrument I want. And then things, and I also had a decent job that I was, you know, trying to progress in as well. So I, I'm just getting older, and I'm looking at how far is each one going to get me in life? You know. Yeah. And I'm trying to make it. You know, I made the adult decision, I suppose. <laughs> right. Uh, not something that I, it, it was very difficult um, to do, right? It's like, that's because you're giving up your, your passion, your dreams a bit. And, but for me, that was the but, route that I went. And I mean, at some point it's, it, it, it happens to everybody. It's like, you, you've got to, I mean, at, at the end of the day, everyone has to do what makes the most sense for them. And if for you, it was, you know, continuing with your job, that is giving you a stable income and it's something you enjoy doing, I'm assuming then, then yeah, it just makes sense. Yeah. Like I said, you know, not an easy to, I, I battled with it in my mind, you know, for a long time. Uh, and you know, I, I did what I did. Uh, obviously, you know, you, you, I miss touring. I miss being with the boys and, and seeing different things around the world, right? You know, yeah. um, that's uh, that's something that's um, easy to miss. Well, if it's any consolation, yeah, if it's any consolation, they've said nothing but bad things about you anytime I've talked about you. So, <laughs> well, that's I'm good. joking, maybe. <laughs> wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. So that, I mean, that leads us up to Agapito. So, how how do you come to kind of join? the these other four miscreants in in agapito um i guess that was 
Jim. Jim would have been the one who really got me involved with Agapito. They were um, uh, they they were a four piece to start out, right? And uh, and Jim was just a guy I knew from mutual friends around Winnipeg. I mean, I don't really remember when we started hanging out, but you know, he was the one who was like, "Hey, Ron, come jam with the band. Come jam with the band." And uh, and uh, lo and behold, uh, I went, and here I am. Right, so. They were, um, I guess, I knew everybody except for Jordan before before going in, but not well. You know, I wasn't, like, super close with any of them, but um, getting to know them and playing with them has been spectacular. And so how how has your role, what, I guess, I mean, what, what kind of is your role within Agapito? Do you, do you feel kind of more comfortable bringing in your own ideas with, with this band and like kind of contributing more in your own way. Yeah, I would, I love, I love Agapito because um, I get that sense of uh, uh, a band unit and like writing with them. Um, Again, I guess I had to somewhat tread on, uh, you know, thin ice, so to say, when I first came in, because they had pre-recorded music that mm-hmm. I was learning. But they always, it was just like, hey, do, that was, I never really felt limited. Maybe it's like a lot of, maybe a lot of that's in my head. And I'm just like, I don't want to overstep boundaries, you know, like, I don't want to like mess with your song too much. So this is the song, you know? Yeah. But I did, I did actually never really feel like them like that with them when I was learning their songs, you know, I added my own things if I could. And it was all, it was always uh, encouraged. I feel like, and, and then as I got to writing with them uh, for sure, like everybody, everybody contributes in that band, Mm. which I think is a very, I've never been in a band that works like that. Like, like everybody is there when we're writing and we all, you know, it seems like one person is out of ideas, but it's perfect timing because the next guy has an idea, right? Yeah. Like if, if I'm sure if like Ryan comes in with like a riff, but can't figure out something after or before, or, you know, then you learn the riff and it's like, well, what if we did this? And then, you know, it just keeps, building and building on that little little nugget of of gold there i i would have to agree uh um i would say those first two agapito eps um compared to this latest ep that is soon to be released i hope the sound i think has somewhat changed and uh you know i think that's a bit because um i'm there as another guitar player Mm -hmm. so uh, also because it's now we've uh, worked with uh john paul peters at private ear there to to record that so the sound is it's a bit bigger you know there's more guitar things happening ryan and i are playing off each other so i think it's created a, a bit of a different uh sound than what originally and was and i do have to say i've <clears throat> i've i've heard the album and it it is fucking phenomenal it <laughs> is it is really good like that first song it just like i wasn't expecting it to like essentially like kick me in the face like it did it's just like 
kind of that opening 15, 20, 30 seconds, it's like, whoa, where, where did, where did this come from? Like this, it's, it was, it's really good. So you guys definitely nailed it. No, thanks. I, I mean, I, I'm stoked on it. I listened to it myself. Uh, I haven't in a while, but you know, I, I put, we recorded in November. So like I haven't, um, I was listening to it a lot, obviously, when we first recorded. I was just yeah. like, I, I think it's turning out good. You know, I was stoked on it too, and uh, I, I'm everybody that we have showed it to in any, you know, whether it be all of it or a couple songs, has given us pretty good feedback. So um, that's always exciting, you know. Yeah, I so want people don't like it. <laughs> we're, we're, I mean, hopefully, it's gonna get released soon. I mean, it will get released because. That's what this whole lead up is for is to talk to each one of you guys and mm-hmm. um, to the lead up of, of the release. And I mean, I just can't wait to see you guys play live again or anybody. God damn it. Fucking play live <laughs> would be incredible. Anytime this year would be even better. So, I mean, hopefully that's coming. I hope. Uh, yeah. I think we're all, hopeful for that uh i can't wait i mean we we're kind of talking out um ideas of live streaming things mm-hmm. i think like i think uh the goodwill is trying to do some live stream stuff coming up soon and uh you know there's been talk of maybe getting involved in something like that we'll see if it actually happens uh and i mean jim jim's got a little bit of know-how how to use a camera so that that yes, might help sure maybe yeah maybe yeah. it'll help who knows <laughs> yeah i can't wait i'm hoping like he he wants to make some videos for the band too right so I, yeah it's, it's really cool like the like that everybody you know everybody within the band is kind of like uh knowledgeable you know and like it feels like there's uh like jim just has not just he's not just a vocalist but he can do this too yeah you know it's like it's a lot it just it helps the band being being able to uh i guess get our stuff out there a little more yeah and just again just not just relying on other people to do it it's like you're your own kind of like self-encompassed little you know little work group it's like everybody can do everything and you don't need to farm it out which is perfect exactly yeah well, Ron, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. It's I always like to go into all my kind of conversations kind of willingly ignorant about who <laughs> I'm talking to because it's like I knew I knew you had played in Comeback Kid for a while and probably even photographed you in Comeback Kid, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'll have to yep. I'll have to look back at photos and be like was it really important that I took pictures of the bass player or not? I can't, I can't, I can't remember the bass player and the drummer. They're always the two that get shafted. Mm-hmm. Most, yeah, seems that way. Mostly the drummer, just because they're harder to get to. Sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta um, be the photographer on stage. We're like, Hey, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. And it was, it was great to learn a little bit probably just scratching the surface as to kind of, you know, where you've been, what you've seen. I mean, uh, I think uh, it's nice to be able to chat with you too. You know, I, we, uh, myself and the rest of the guys definitely appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to us and, uh, you know, helping us promote our music. So that's, um, 
it's an awesome thing. So awesome. Yeah. And so usually I play, you know, three songs after each interview. I am going to play all of Refuge in Strength just for you. I'm going to find it. <laughs> I'm going to dig deep. I'm going to dig real deep. I'll break. Uh, I, I'll, I don't even know if that's on the Internet. <laughs> I'll, I'll break into your house if I have to digitize while you're away and then just put everything back. You know, oh man, <laughs> but yeah, thanks, Ron. Yeah, thank you, Dwayne. Well, there you go. There's my conversation with Ron, and a huge thank you to Ron for taking the time out to talk to me. Ugh. Oh, Lord. Um, also, all the guys that I've talked to from Agapito, I really appreciate all of y'all taking the time to talk to me and letting me, you know, kind of peek into how how you came up in the scene, what was happening. I, I really appreciate it, and. Like I said off the, actually I should say before I start talking about other stuff really quickly, um, I should say a big big thank you because I often forget to thank them. They're always in the liner notes. Hopefully always in the liner notes. Uh, big thank you to those wonderful folks in the Sorrells for giving me my intro music. I really appreciate you. You know, basically donating it to me because uh, I got no money. There's no budget in this. You're listening to this. You know, there's no budget. So. Thank you to the wonderful people in the Sorrells for letting me use their music as my kind of little little intro stuff. Uh, like I said off the top, you we, we had some sponsors. It was great. Um, but, you know, with COVID kind of sucking the life out of everything once again, those shows aren't necessarily happening right away. Uh, the Park Theater was supposed to have a great fundraiser with a bunch of breweries on board, a bunch of bands. All the money was going to be donated back to the Park Theater. And that's, I'm not sure if it's happening or not yet, but check out the link in the description. It'll take you right to it and just follow that. Watch that. They'll either call it and it's just not going to happen. They'll postpone it. So maybe it'll happen a little bit later in January when hopefully all this shit has calmed down. Or maybe it's just not going to happen, which I hope isn't the case because I know there's a lot of, a lot of people put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into this. And, you know, even if you don't know the people that are, behind the scenes, putting all the work into this. I really appreciate everybody that does everything in this scene. So, you know, thank you to those folks who are spearheading all of this. Uh, also, there was the Winterruption that was happening in January here in Winnipeg. That is being postponed. There's no dates or anything yet. Again, check out the link in the description. That will tell you where to go. Check out who's hopefully coming, who will, you know, hopefully it's just gets pushed a little bit and all those acts will be happening throughout the city again. So no music again after this one because I I really don't want to. We me and Ron talked long enough and you know, I think you I think you enjoyed it. I think you had fun. I had fun. Did you have fun? Why am I asking you? You can't you you can listen, you can answer, but nobody's gonna hear you. Thank you. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody. Thank you. Goodbye. I think it's awkward now. Okay.